This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 249, recorded Tuesday, February the 16th, 2016. Jason, can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Okay, that's exciting. Uh, I am in wonderful Vancouver, everybody, and Jason is back at home in uh, the regular Talking Dead studio on his end, and we're having some Skype problems, so we're going to see how this goes, but uh, it should be fun nonetheless. Do not anger the Skype gods, Chris. I'm going to try not to. I won't reference them by name again, because I hear they don't like that. No, they don't. They they need you to just believe. Just believe quietly and happily, and <laughs> they will be kind to us. Yeah, I hope so. All right, well, we are here to record our recap for the Season 6 mid-season premiere, Episode 9. And uh, boy, howdy, it was a big episode. So oh, I'm, yeah. I am looking forward to getting to that in a minute. But there's a few things I want to do just off the top here. There's some stuff that uh, I want to announce and talk about briefly. And it's mostly sort of podcast uh, related things that I think everyone needs to know about. So housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping, exactly. Um, The first thing is I just want to talk about Patreon for a minute. Patreon, of course, is one of the ways um, you guys can support us and what we do here and help, you know, cover the cost of the podcast. But one of the things I haven't done in a long time is thank a lot of new patrons we've got over the last uh, few months and actually about six or seven months, I think. So I wanted to do that really quick just by reading out your names. Huge thank you goes out to the Israeli Carol, Angie G, Sean B, Wendy L, Judith G, Dirk, Tom B, Alice M, Rick G, uh, Carrie J, Debbie C, Mark the Moo and Jess the Dog, Lisa D, Benita, Stacy S, and Jens K, or Jens K, J-E-N-S. Uh, thank you so much to all of you folks and to everyone else that has, you know, helped us out on Patreon. It is uh, wonderful to have your support like that. Um, and, then, and then speaking of Patreon, uh, we've revamped the whole thing, haven't we? Uh, pretty much from the ground up. Pretty much, yeah. So if you if you want to visit us on Patreon now, you want to head over to patreon.com slash thetalkingden. And first of all, if you've been there before, you'll notice that it's a whole new profile page. Uh, Patreon has been updating those slowly, so I took the time to make sure ours was updated. And you may also notice that there's all new sort of pledge and reward levels. And I won't really go through all of them here, but... What I tried to do, or what we tried to do uh, when Jason and I were sort of coming up with these things, is a good balance between, um, you know, sort of easy to afford levels, uh, but we've also added some sort of higher end type levels. And that's not just because we're desperate for money or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> it, I mean, I mean, maybe we are. <laughs> but what what we're trying to get at is like a lot of times people ask us, "Hey, you know, what did you guys think of?" movie x or could you talk about you know this tv show or something like that and we would love to do a little bit more of that but of course it always takes time and we have to find you know a day to record special one-off podcasts things like that so what we've done is we've added a pledge level for just that thing so 
if you visit go over to Patreon, you can pledge and have, and then it's your choice to have us sort of watch and talk about something. And we'll probably release these as special podcasts, you know, that uh, aren't sort of within the flow of our regular release schedule, um, just because they usually won't be about The Walking Dead. But if there's something you want to hear us talk about, now there's a way to kind of do that. So, you know, we added a couple other levels too, and, you know, able to, uh, there's a level where you're able to get a t-shirt um, or just give a shout out to somebody on the show. If you want to wish your spouse a happy birthday or anything like that, there's, you know, there's a reward for that. So, Hopefully these make sense to everybody, and um, you know I hope they I hope they work out. It's to be honest a little bit of an experiment with Patreon to see how this goes, and I thought it was time to freshen it up a bit. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to to these kind of things. I would like to uh, you know I'm looking forward to people suggesting stuff for us to watch and us uh, you know taking a gander at it and giving giving two thoughts. Yeah, exactly. I think it should be fun. I mean we've we've limited those to. Um, a certain number for now, just because, you know, if, if it becomes really popular, I mean, we'd end up recording a podcast every night of the week, which, <laughs> hey, that would that'd be fantastic if it, you know, paid all the bills. Um, and maybe that's the goal someday. But for now, we're just going to start slow. But go over to patreon.com slash the talking dead just to check those out and let us know what you think. If this is the kind of thing you're interested in, then feel free to jump in. And uh, if you have any questions, send us email and we can, you know, we'd happy to get back to you and work, work something out. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's it for Patreon. Um, another thing that a lot of people have asked us to do or to make easier somehow is find our older episodes on our website. And I think I've come up with a way to do that, at least as a first step. Um, I get emails all the time from people saying, hey, I want to listen to your episode, your podcast for season two, episode four. Where is that on the site? And the reason it's hard to find at this point is because back then we weren't naming podcasts with the episode, like the Walking Dead episode title. So nobody knows what to search for on our site to find it. And yes, you can kind of page back through the site and they're all there, but that can become tedious. And I totally get that. So what I've done is I've gone back and renamed all of our previous podcast episodes to include the season and the episode number from the show. So let's say you want to find, you know, our podcast for season three, episode four. You don't even need to know, you don't even need to remember what the title is. You can just go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and in the search bar, type in S3E4. And Submit the search, and you should be presented with our podcast for Season 3, Episode 4. Using internet magic. Internet magic is exactly right. what that is. So I, I hope this makes you know finding, them, finding episodes of our podcast a little bit easier. And, of course, we have episodes in between seasons and during hiatuses and stuff. So if you're looking for one of those, not quite as easy to find. But if you wanted to find something that came right after season three, for example, you could search for S3E16, figure out what episode number within our, you know, uh, scheme is, and then sort of go ahead from there. So hopefully that makes it easier. So Jason, I'm going to give you a test. All right. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's say you wanted to find our podcast for, you know, season one, episode four. What would you search for? Well, I would uh, probably uh, go to our our site and then uh, 
you know, I'd, I'd submit a phone call to you, Chris, asking uh, exactly what uh, what episode that was and uh-huh. uh, requesting that you email it to me. Okay. Well, did, did I get that right? That's the old way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to the site and I would search for what was it? Uh, season one episode. What would would you ask again? Uh, let's just say four. I think four. Okay, so I would type in S one E four. There you go. And you would be presented with Season 1, Episode 4. The only way this system breaks down a little bit is if you're looking for, say, Season 4, Episode 15, you'll put in S4E15. You'll also find S—sorry, uh, if you're looking for Season 4, Episode 1, you'll put in S4E1, and you'll also find Season 4, Episode 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. So you're going to get right. you're gonna get more results than you— um, necessarily want but you will definitely still find the episode you're looking for so but that's um, how the internet works in general like when i go to google and i type in something i get a few more results than i'm looking for yes sometimes in the millions so it shouldn't be too hard to figure out and i don't consider it a bug i consider it a feature because maybe you just mistyped and you were looking for episode 12 (laughs) right but you just left the two off so um anyways hopefully that makes it easier to find our older episodes uh and of course you can find the 50 most recent straight on itunes by searching for us on itunes anything older than that is on our website all right a couple more things before we get into our recap uh we're doing a giveaway which is exciting yeah a, a raffle type giveaway so our friends over at gold label um We've partnered up with them again. They run an official Walking Dead merchandise store. They have got hoodies, stickers, all kinds of T-shirts, things like that. And we are giving away, in conjunction with them, a Walking Dead hoodie and pack of stickers. So what you want to do is oh, cool. visit yeah, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And pinned to the top of our wall is a post about this giveaway where you can uh, you know see an image. Of, of what we're giving away and click through to enter. Uh, so you can, what you, there's different ways to enter just by visiting us on Facebook, by tweeting a message, by visiting us on Twitter, and of course visiting the Gold Label Facebook page and stuff like that. So um, head on over to facebook.com slash the talking dead to enter. And uh, you can also actually find the giveaway on our website. I noticed that the stupid Facebook app that hosts this doesn't work on mobile phones and stuff like that. So if you visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on hoodie giveaway, you can enter there as well if you're on your phone, for example. Is Facebook um, over? No, I don't think so. I think Are Facebook you sure? is I think, I think it's Facebook becoming, is over. I think it's becoming the internet. <laughs> I don't I think, know. Yeah, I don't know. I think Facebook might be the internet now. They're trying to they're trying to take over everything. Uh, I heard on the radio the other day that Facebook or people's online usage is at twenty percent Facebook right now, which is oh, doesn't that's sound so high. not my percentage. Well, no, but you're you're not the average user, I guess. But yeah. everyone else is spending twenty percent of their online time on Facebook. So if that starts to creep higher, I mean, they said on the radio, if if that ever gets above fifty percent, doesn't that mean that Facebook has now become the internet? But, never, never for okay. me. Okay. No, I guess not. Anyways, that's a whole different thing. Um, our giveaway with Gold Label is running for two weeks until February 29. So go there and get your entries in now. Uh, winner will be chosen after uh, after it closes on February 29th. It's a leap year, by the way. So you have until the 29th of February. A whole extra day. 
a whole extra day. Um, and just in, you know, just to support that a little bit more, Gold Label was nice enough to issue us a coupon code for 15% off in their store. Um, also running good, uh, running through till the 29th of February. So if you visit goldlabel.com, you can check out all the Walking Dead merchandise they have and use the coupon code TALKINGDEADDEAL and you'll get 15% off. So thank you so much to Gold Label and everybody over there for working with us on this giveaway and that promo code. All right, Jason, I think that's all the housekeeping we have for now, unless you've got anything else you want to bring up. No, I'm uh, you know itching to go. I'm ready to chomp at the bit. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I am raring to go. All right, sir. Don't fall off. Um, get your whole ass on the seat because we have Season 6, Episode 9 to talk about. And it was called No Way Out and directed by Greg Nicotero. All right. Good old Greg. I'm just going to say right now that Greg Nicotero, I guess they're giving him some of the sweetest directing jobs on this show, like premieres and finales and stuff like that. But he has been getting better and better as a director, in my opinion. And I think he's doing some of the best directing work on this show. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I think uh, I think he's the superstar. He's the he's the Walking Dead superstar, as far as I'm concerned. The, it seems like there's nothing he can't do, which is crazy. He can um, sing. He can dance. He can direct. He can make gross zombies. It's everything. <laughs> it's all every, everything you need in life, right there. Um, so I wanted That's to right. talk about the ratings for this episode, but I couldn't find them before recording time, which is unusual because it, it is Tuesday uh, instead of our normal recording time of Monday night, um, which means I'm sort of surprised the ratings aren't out yet. Uh, I'm not sure if that means anything or if they're just coming out a little bit later this week, but if we can figure out what they were, we'll bring them up when we do a feedback show later on this week, which incidentally everyone will be coming on probably Thursday night rather than Wednesday because we're a, a day behind this week. Yeah, and a dollar short. And a dollar short. Well, I'm a dollar short every week, but, <laughs> you know, that adds up over time. So when you don't know a number, what you do is you lowball it and then uh, say that it's above whatever that lowball number is. So the ratings for this week are above 150 people. More than 150 people watch this episode. I think that's a bit of an extreme lowball on your part. but Well, you got to be uh, safe, you know. right? Like, I don't want to be wrong, so I'm, I'm lowballing it. <laughs> You're definitely not going to be wrong. Okay, so let's get into our recap. This was called No Way Out, which is a name straight from the comic books, and uh, I think there was a lot in this episode that came straight out of the comics. Uh, we'll probably Super get into lot. that as this as this go as we go through. Yeah. So we start in the cold open with an extended version of that prologue scene that we got at the end of episode eight back in the fall. We see Daryl, Abe, Sasha. They are stopped by Negan's motorcycle gang, which I guess there's is what I'm going to call them because there's no other way. And the lead guy, whose name I don't know, I don't know if we he, that character had a name or not, but he asks for the weapons and says that they now belong to Negan. And this is stuff we saw, you know, back at the end of episode eight. So after that, we kind of get into the new stuff. He goes and he, um, you know, Sasha wants to know who they are. He takes their guns away, which is important. And I love the look that uh, he gives Daryl as he takes his gun away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. And yet, like I said, Sasha wants to know who they are. And the lead Negan guy, lead motorcycle gang guy, says they'll be taking them back to where they live. He says he wants to, you know, see what's going on, where they've been staying. Um, but he says, first, we're going to take all your stuff. 
and he sends one of his crew to the back of the truck with Daryl to search for things, and he calls that guy T. T. Yeah. Hey, T, take this guy back to the back and That could be Tony, that could be Terry, that could be uh, Timmy, could be, uh, could be anyone. Could be a lot of things, yeah. Um, so they go to the back of the truck, and Abe says, who's Negan? Which is a fair question, I'd say, but this lead motorcycle gang guy does not take that too well. Right. And uh, he, he threatens to kill them and points a gun at Abe. And it does look like he's about to shoot when Sasha says, wait. And he ends up pointing a gun at both of them. So he's, you know, not very open to them asking questions or making comments. Um, now, he kind of fakes not killing them. And he, he you know, he says, you know, I'm not going to kill you. He lowers his guns. But then he says, you know what? Yes, I am. And he raises the guns again. And just when I thought, uh uh-oh, one or both of these characters is going to get shot and we're going to lose one of them or both, suddenly the whole motorcycle gang explodes in a massive fireball and Daryl comes walking out from behind the truck holding the rocket launcher. So I'm going to give you a bit of advice, uh, Chris. Please do. uh, And listeners. Uh, If you are trying to uh, ambush somebody, well, not necessarily ambush, but you want to square off against a group of people and you have a group of people and you have uh, firearms on them, uh, there's two things you need to do. Uh, the first one is get off your motorcycles because you got to be uh, mobile. Sitting down, sure, you look cool, but uh, you're a sitting duck if anything doesn't go your way. And uh, the second thing is... Uh, what the Three Stooges often said, spread out. Just spread out. You, They're <laughs> all in one bunched up little group. You got to spread out so that you can't be hit with the same whatever, by the same shot, by the same mortar round, by what whatever they're going to shoot at you. Spread the fuck out. Yeah. These guys didn't listen to either one of those uh, precepts, and uh, they got their, uh, well, they got their asses handed, handed to them. In, in the biggest, most explosive way. Now, do you think, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And you'd think if, if this group of Negan's crew knew what they were doing, they would they would know to do these things. I wonder if they, they were new, like they were, you know, this was their first mission out to find people or something. Nah, like that. they just wanted to be cool. Look at how cool we are. We're sitting in the road. All our motorcycles are on their, uh, their kickstands. We're just sitting here with our guns out and... Uh, these guys are going to come around the corner, and we're going to look like the coolest badasses in the whole friggin' world. <laughs> yeah, there's no and way they're ever going to beat us because we got a plan, and our plan is to sit here and point guns at them. I mean, the other thing you got to think too is how terrible of an idea is it to send one of your guys off with one of their guys? Like you don't know, you don't know what skills Daryl has, especially Daryl. Well, especially he's Darryl, got right? knife skills, he's got bow hunting skills, he's, he's got nunchuck skills. And you can kind of see it on him too, right? Like you, you can you can look at Daryl and be like, that guy looks like he might be dangerous. Maybe he's not the one I want to like separate from the group. Yeah. <laughs> of course, then you look at uh, at Abraham, and he's wearing his like navy blues, I think, as he called it. I mean, he looks pretty pretty important there too. So yeah. I don't know. And how did Daryl learn how to use the uh, the rocket launcher or the RPG? Ah, uh, you know. I think that's just the kind of thing he knows. Don't you, aren't, don't you think if you had a rocket launcher in the back of a truck, you'd be able to just pick it up and fire it? 
Uh, maybe if it was already <laughs> loaded, and if it was already yeah. loaded, I'd be worried because that's a dangerous thing to have lying around. <laughs> In, a, in the back of a, a fuel truck. I, I really don't think it's the kind of thing you just kind of point and shoot. I think there's probably a little bit more to it than that. I know that uh, you got to either be right next to it or way the hell far away. Otherwise, there's uh, some kind of blowback or stuff that'll rip your ears off kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't really think about that while uh, while I was watching this, but... It's a good point. Probably not that many people could just pick up a rocket launcher and fire it, but maybe they loaded it just in case because you always want to have a loaded weapon at your side. So Daryl just had to pick it up and pull the trigger. Do they have triggers? I assume they have they triggers. They have triggers, yeah. All right. So he just had to pick it up and squeeze the trigger, as they say. Yeah. Um, I, anyhow, I just think that they require some basic you know, training on, on their usage. Not really point and shoot is what you're saying. Yeah, it's not a plug-and-play monitor. You can't just plug no. it in and away you go. No, that's right. Well, anyways, Daryl, not plug and play monitor. That's funny. Um, <laughs> Daryl, uh, he managed to kill the big dude, T, that took him out around back and then walk out of there with a rocket launcher. So Daryl did get stabbed, um, though. He did get stabbed in the back. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he said he was tougher than he looked. Um, I thought this was a fantastic cold open, though. Like, it, it was really tense, and I really did believe that, that, uh, the head of the motorcycle gang there was going to shoot somebody. Maybe not kill them, but at least fire around and, you know, Abe or Sasha would get, get hit in the shoulder or the leg or something like that. So I agree I with you. Really... I, thought, uh, I thought Sasha was a goner. I didn't think that they would kill Abraham, but I, uh, I honestly thought that uh, Sasha would probably get killed in yeah. this cold open. Yeah, I thought so too. It, it would have been a bummer, but it, it, it came pretty close. I think it came pretty close. Um, and then the other thing is... I didn't expect this group of guys to be, you know, <laughs> demolished so quickly. Like, <laughs> I, I, I would have thought this group of Negan's characters would stick around for a while. Like, one of them would maybe be Negan's right-hand man or something. You know, I don't know, but they're all gone. I mean, there's nothing left of those guys. Yeah. So, great cold open. Um, we go to the opening credits, and when we come back, we are in Alexandria. There are a bunch of close-up shots of the zombie crowd in the town. We have Rick and the group. They're walking through holding hands still, and they've made it farther now uh, than they were at the end of Episode 8, and the zombies seem to be ignoring them, so they're they're getting through. Um and I guess Sam just kind of stopped saying mom, mom at some point because we kind of glossed over that. Yeah. Or or just wasn't a part of this episode. Um, so they get to a kind of bush or a tree near the pond in the center of the town. And Rick says that they're not going to go to the armory anymore because there's just too many zombies around. He says instead they'll get, try to get out of the town um, get their vehicles at the quarry, and then bring them back so they can round up the zombies and lead them away. That's so he's still all about leading them away. That's a good idea. I guess. I mean, getting uh, getting out is probably the best idea. You know, you, you just want to get away from that place, I would think. Right. Um, so then Father Gabriel offers to take Judith and keep her safe in his little makeshift church. Uh, this was Jesse's idea because, you know, that she doesn't think bringing the baby to the quarry and back is a really good idea. It's a bit of a liability because babies can cry at any time and make noise. They do. Um, so Rick sort of hesitates when Gabe makes this offer, but ultimately trusts him because he, you know, Carl gives Judith over to Gabriel. 
And then Jesse says, you know, you should take Sam too. But Sam refuses and he says he's sure he can keep going. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Father Gabe reiterates that he'll keep Judith safe. And Rick says, thank you. And uh, Gabe walks off with Judith. And then the group takes each other's hands again and keeps going. And they made a point here to show Ron taking Carl's hand. And, of course, we know that there's a little bit of animosity between those two. So they walk off, and we cut over to the house where um, Tara and Rosita are and Morgan and Carol. And, you know, this is right after the wolf has taken Denise away. So Tara wants to go after them, but Rosita says no. And Rosita thinks that, you know, Denise will at least be okay for a while because the wolf needs her, maybe, because she's a doctor and he's sick. So running out after them isn't the best idea at this point. Um, Rosita says, you know, what we got to do right now is make sure that Carol and Morgan are okay because, you know, they were knocked unconscious and they just start to wake up. Carol gets up and goes to sweep the house for any extra danger. And then Morgan comes to and finds out that the wolf left with Denise. So they're just sort of getting their wits back uh, amongst them, I suppose. Um, We get a couple of quick shots here before we get to the next uh, sort of group of characters a wide shot of two people running outside the walls amongst fewer zombies it looks like and into a church and we see Denise and the wolf hiding just outside the house that they left sort of in one of those stairwells down so that they're hidden from the zombies a little bit Um, now the two people that were running outside that was Glenn Mm -hmm. and Enid making a break for that church and what we get now is sort of cutting between these two scenes of Glenn and Enid in the church and the wolf and Denise outside. So let's go through one one at a time here. Sure. Um, inside the church, as I said, it's Glenn and Enid. Glenn, he wants to search the church for anything they can use, especially hidden guns or ammo, yep. um, which I guess is a good idea. He figures they might have stashed something there just in case. But um, in a church? Well, why not? I mean, you... You can't think of it as a church. you got to think of it as a building where we can hide things. Well, it sure looked like a church, and it was set up like a church, and it still had all the hymn books and the or hymn, hymnals. What are they called? Bibles and, uh, or hymnals, Well, there's yeah. Bibles, but there's also hymnals. I don't know if there's Bibles there, but there's hymnals and various odds and ends. But uh, it sure looked like it was still set up as a church. It didn't look ransacked. It didn't look like anything was overturned. It didn't look like anybody moved all the uh, all the pews and created a fire in the center to keep warm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I wasn't hopeful that they'd find something in this church to be that would be useful. Well, but, I mean, it could still be used as a church, but don't you think it would make sense to to put, stash something there just in case that's where you happen to be when, you know, the shit hits the fan? Well, I, I don't know. I think that's what Glenn was counting on, that, like, right. these people thought ahead enough to be like, let's hide something in here so that if we need it when we're here, we can get to it. Um, so they start their search and they're looking around and Enid looks up at the wall and she sees some text on the wall that says faith without works is dead from James, um, two twenty six. What's that? Chapter two, verse 26, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and they talk again now about, about losing people, which is something they talked about in the previous episode before they, um, decided to, you know, try to get into Alexandria and, Glenn explains that 
what he meant is the people that you love are the ones who kind of make you who you are, right? And even after they die or you lose them, they're always going to be a part of you. And what he says is you can sort of keep them alive by continuing to be who you are. And they talk about who are these people for each other. And Glenn lists his parents, Dale, Herschel, Andrea, and Tyrese. And Enid says, yeah, my parents too. So I really like this idea, actually, you know, that yeah. that it's it's really kind of a sweet thing to think about. You know, everyone around you are the people who are the ones that make you who you are. And you sort of keep their memory alive or you keep part of them alive by being, you know, keeping your true to who true true to yourself kind of thing. Right. Yeah. No, I like this idea, too. It's actually really nice. It is. Comforting. Yeah. Comforting. Totally. But And it's also what convinces Enid to kind of like step up and help out and do what she needs to do. So um, we get kind of the trope here where Glenn tells Enid to stay. <laughs> you stay here. I'll go. I'll go do everything. Um, but she refuses and says, basically, I'm here now. We're doing this. And she says, we have to go get Maggie off that platform. Right. right? So she's willing to help. And uh, Enid suggests that she can climb up the wall and help Maggie down and Glenn can distract the zombies. Sounds good. What could possibly go wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's what's going on in the church. Now, over hiding, you know, by the wall with the wolf and Denise, he says that they'll make a break for it. And uh, when there's a break in the zombies, they'll run for a tower by the wall, climb up and get over the wall. When there's an opening, he says, um, Denise goes, no, cause I'll just slow you down. Leave me here. <laughs> She's trying to pull that, <laughs> pull that trick, Good luck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the wolf says, no, no, come on. I need you. And he says, or maybe I just like your company. You seem nice. <laughs> come with me. He, he, yeah, that's right. Um, and he tells Denise that she was right. You know, he wasn't born this way. He changed. And he says that maybe he can help Denise change too. Uh, I don't know why you'd want to change into be something like him, but, you know, he kind of feels that way. Well, nobody thinks they're the bad guy, right? That's true. It's all a matter of perspective, I suppose. Yeah. Um, He says that she's been given a gift and that she'll see it that way one day, you know, or maybe not, whatever. <laughs> but he gives her this creepy, disgusting smile because his teeth are gross and uh, then we go to a commercial break. So he, he's a real weirdo, this wolf, uh, even though he seems maybe like he's coming around a little bit, like he just wants a friend. Maybe that's what the W stands for, is weirdo. Maybe he's not actually a wolf, he's just a weirdo. Yeah. W carved on his forehead. I know. I'm kind of weird. I'll make sure everyone knows that by putting a W <laughs> on my forehead. I put a big L on my uh, on my forehead for loser. Loser. Yeah, L if, I had, uh, if I had a choice. But then I could hang out with him, and it would be like, whatever, loser. <laughs> and he'd be whatever and I'd be loser. Perfect. Whatever loser. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. So after the commercial break, we come back and it's now nighttime. So I guess some time has passed. Night has fallen very quickly as it does on this show at times. Yeah. Uh, Rick's group is still going through the zombies. Uh, everyone looks really nervous, but the zombies start are sort of continuing to ignore them, which is a good thing. That's what they want. And Sam, who is the one who was freaking out before, starts to hear Carol's voice in his head. And he starts to hear that speech she gave him about the monsters coming, tearing you apart, and eating you up while you're still alive. Oh, gross. Yeah, so 
good job, Carol. This is what you told Sam would happen. <laughs> and now Sam is a little bit worried that it's about to happen. Even when she's not actively killing children, she's doing it passive aggressively uh, by implanting ideas that eventually get those kids killed. Yes, it's really, really not, you know, not helpful, she's, especially at this point. She's diabolical. She really is. She really is. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Carol, we could talk about Carol later maybe, but she, she, I almost feel like she doesn't even know what she's doing at some points, right? Like implanting this in poor little Sam's mind, you know, she was just trying to scare him at the time, but look what's about to happen. Yeah. And it's kind of her fault. So Sam is starting to freak out and he sees a child walker up in front of him and he quietly starts to lose it and he stops walking and he kind of is backing away a little bit and everyone there is telling him to come on come on but he backs away even more and then gets bitten so a zombie one goes for his shoulder and one goes for his forehead yeah (laughs) because that's the meatiest part of somebody when you want to take a bite yeah, yeah, it's it's not an easy place to bite uh, the forehead, but that zombie was able to do it, and a lot of blood starts going down his face. Um, so poor little Sam is is gone, and Jessie starts crying, but she won't let go of Sam's hand. I mean, she's his mother after all. I, I don't really blame her. And she's also holding on to Carl's hand. Carl starts telling her that, uh, you know, they have to let go. And, uh, you know, he she has to, really, but she doesn't. And then a zombie gets Jesse, which is even more sad, or maybe equally sad. I don't know. Uh, But the point is she won't let go of Carl's hand either, which is a problem because she's getting eaten by zombies and Carl just wants to get away. (laughs) So, um, you know, Rick looks totally distraught because his new girlfriend, Jesse, is being eaten by zombies, which is not good for him. He starts saying no, no to himself. And we hear a lot of echoey screams while Rick sees flashes of Jesse looking happy from previous episodes. You can just see in his mind, he's just, all he's thinking is, damn it, she was cute. (laughs) Yeah, damn it, I just was getting to know her and look what's happening. But what I really liked about this scene and the way they did it, and this is like a directing and an editing thing, I guess, is that there was this amazing contrast between the sort of cold, dark, night and the full color warm shots of jesse looking pretty you know yeah and it was i thought it was really effective this is what was flashing through rick's brain and you know he was messed up for a moment about it and i don't blame the guy at all um it was really effective i thought because it was so cold and dark at night so carl he's still struggling and to get his hand away And Rick does the only thing he can. He takes out his hatchet and he chops Jesse's hand off so Carl can get away. Did you notice that the that the visuals flashed to red when he was doing that? Similar to how they were going from the from the cold dark night to the uh, to to the warm uh, soft glow of remembrance to the uh, to the red flashes of shit. Now I have to cut off her hand. Yeah, it was again. It was amazing. It's uh, it was just a, a brilliant contrast of showing like the the good times and now the like worst thing you can imagine trying to chop you know chop her into pieces so carl can get away but you're right it was red flashes of the same scenes yeah you know um so it was amazing i thought this whole scene was just so well done and so 
so perfect almost like Nicotero amazing job whoever like came up with the the sort of idea of staging it this way a great job and then the editing was really well really well done too so uh Carl's free now but Ron who has just watched his little brother and mom get eaten <laughs> he has raised a gun and is pointing it at Carl right and Michonne springs into action because she's here too and she takes Rick. He was pointing it at Rick. Oh, he was pointing it at Rick. He was pointing it at Rick because Rick just cut off his mom's right. hand as she was being eaten. And so now uh, Rick is the cause of the death of his whole family. Right, right. Point. Sorry. He was pointing it at Rick. But what happens is Michonne takes the katana right through his back. And as he kind of slumps back, the gun uh, changes direction and it fires. And somebody gets hit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler yeah. alert the gun fires as zombies converge on his body and carl poor little carl gets shot in the eye and just before he falls down he kind of says dad and falls to the floor that was that was awesome. yeah so we get a shot straight on of carl's face with you know a bullet hole through his right eye uh, does not look good. Does not look good for Carl. But Rick picks him up and starts running while Michonne is chopping her way through zombies right in front of them. It was it was a fantastic scene, I thought. Right. And right out of the comic. Right out of the comic, yeah. Um, really, really well done. Um, all right, we go to a commercial break after that. You know, intense, uh, just, I don't know, intensity that I, that I thought was amazing. We go to commercial and we come back and we're with Tara rosita eugene and morgan in their house and eugene says you know what guys we have to fight our way out there's you know you know what's going to happen there's only one thing we can do here and uh rosita says you know you don't have to don't worry about it you're a coward we know that (laughs) (laughs) um uh but you can see you can see the realization on eugene's face that he even he knows that he's going to have to do this at some point which which I really liked. It was a great you know acting job by uh, oh what's his name uh, that plays Eugene. Damn it! I can't believe I forgot his name. The, the armored pro. Great great acting job right there because uh, you could just see it. He's like, yep, I know it. Yeah, I forget his uh, name. It's too. Josh McDermott, isn't it? There, there you go. Uh, anyways, uh, we go to the Wolf and Denise, and they're getting ready to make their break. And what's happening is the gunshot that, you know, just hit Carl in the eye has been attracting the walkers away. So they're thinning out over there a little bit. And yeah, he says they're going to go to that nearby guard tower over the wall. Um, When they do go for it, the wolf gets ahead of Denise and she gets grabbed by a walker. So he comes back to save her, but gets bitten in the, on the arm while he's doing so. Yeah. Bummer for him. Um, So Denise says, you know what? Get me to the infirmary, forget going over the wall, and we'll I'll save your life. And so they run off towards the infirmary. I was wondering how they were going to get her to the infirmary. Because uh, once Carl got shot in the face, the only hope for him is a uh, doctor's attention of some yep. kind. Like, you don't just, you know, heal from that. Oh, I'll be fine. <laughs> you pack that with dirt, you'll be good as, good as new in the morning. Uh, so I was wondering how they were going to get... Uh, how they were going to get Denise to the infirmary. Right. But uh, this wraps it up really nicely. It's just like, oh, well, everything's coming together. Yeah. So all we had to do is get a wolf, have a wolf get bit in the arm, and she's like, I can save your life. Just get me there. 
Um, so they run off towards the infirmary and we cut over to Carol who's upstairs in that house and she's looking out the window at all the zombies and Morgan comes up to talk and Carol says that Morgan saved the wolf for him, not for us. Sort of meaning that, you know, he didn't do what was for the greater good, which would have been kill the wolf and eliminate that problem. But, you know, he let him live for his own personal agenda, which uh, she doesn't agree with. Right. And she says, you know, I should have killed you. And Morgan says, you can't. Um, I think sort of appealing to what's left of her good side a little bit, you know, saying, look, I know you and you can't just kill me for no reason because even though you talk a big game, uh, you know, you know at a certain level what I do is is okay too. That's wishful thinking on his part. <laughs> yeah, this is Carol after all, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we uh, go back to the wolf and Denise and they've made it to a house nearby she uses his belt as a tourniquet for his arm, I guess, trying to stop blood flow so she has a chance to cut it off when they get to the infirmary. Yep. And she says that, uh, you know what, Wolfie, you're not all bad. You must have changed because you turned back to save me when he could have just gone up that tower and over and escaped. That's true. So they run out of the garage, and suddenly the wolf is shot by Carol from the balcony. And just before he goes down, he tackles a zombie so that uh, so that Denise can get away. Mm-hmm. So look at Mr. Wolfie here. He goes from being an absolute, like, ruthless killer to being a little bit of a hero for Denise and saving her life. Twice. A little bit of redemption. A little bit. A little bit of redemption, which I was surprised about. Two things. I was surprised that, you know, this wolf storyline is essentially done now. He's dead and he's moved on. Um, yeah. And I thought I thought they were going to drag that out a little bit longer. Um, and also, he redeemed himself a little bit. He wasn't all bad. There was still some good in him. Yep. Right? So. I'm not surprised that they, they cut this storyline uh, at this point because uh, we got some other shit going on. That's probably going to take a little bit more screen time than... Uh, than this wolf thing, which, you know, really played out, but with a little bit of a surprise ending with his uh, his slight redemption. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. I mean, it's knowing, sort of watching the rest of this episode and knowing kind of what's to come a little bit, you're right. There's all kinds of other stuff going on. But if you'd asked me back, you know, one or two episodes ago, what are they going to do with the wolf? I mean, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, but I, I would have guessed that it, that it takes a little bit longer than half of the first episode after the break, basically, to get resolved. So, you know, but The Walking Dead does that sometimes. It's the same thing in the cold open with the motorcycle gang. Like, I figured those guys would stick around, maybe not all of them, but nope, they're all blown to bits. So sometimes the show does that. Uh, Anyways, back to Denise. She makes it to the infirmary, and she asks about her patients, uh, Aaron, Keith and Spencer are there. So now we know where, where they are, which is good. Uh, out the window, they say they see Michonne and Rick coming in, and they realize that Rick is carrying Carl. And then one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite moments from the episode happens right here, where Denise has her five seconds. Do you remember we've talked about this before? When you're in a moment of crisis and you don't think you can do something, take your five seconds and then get down to business. 
That's right. That's from Lost. Yeah, it came from Lost, exactly. Well, Denise has her five seconds here because she turns, kind of takes a breath, and uh, she decides that she's got a job to do and somehow realizes that Carl isn't bit and is just injured. And I think that's because she probably realizes that Rick wouldn't be, you know, running with him in his arms if, if he was bit. Uh, well, maybe, maybe he would. But either way, she's going to need, like, if he is bit, he's... Uh... Uh, he's been bitten in such a way that uh, maybe she can save him by, uh, you know, a, a rapid amputation. A rapid response. Yeah, uh, you're right. Although someone actually says, has he been bit? And her answer is no. So somehow she, oh, she knew. Well, there's that then. I or, guess. or it was just her kind of guessing. But still, I, I, love the, I love the whole moment of it, right? Where she turns around and is like, and you could, you could see the realization of her going, all right, I got, I I got to step it up right now because she's ever so slightly psychic. Oh, maybe, maybe ever so slightly. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so she starts ordering people around, you know, I need all this clean towels, things like that. Uh, they open the door and they run in with Carl. Rick puts him down and says, please save him. And then the camera focuses on Rick while we hear Denise getting to work in the background and another, um, color tone shift here where it goes from again sort of the cold darkness of night outside to uh warm orangey red tones of rick's face while he's just kind of taking it all in and and trying to come to terms with what's what's been going on here uh rick goes to the window and he looks outside and then he takes out his hatchet opens the door goes out and closes it behind himself and we hear michonne yell rick what are you doing? <laughs> it's going to blow off a little steam. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm going to have my Tyrese moment. I'm going to walk out here, and I'm going to take all these zombies on myself. Yeah, he's all keyed up. He's got, uh, you know, uh, a shitload of adrenaline running through his system. He realizes that his son is in the best hands that uh, he can be in in this situation and that uh, he's completely useless just standing there. Uh, so he's got to release some of that nervous energy that he's uh, he's been building up. And maybe not quite thinking entirely straight. Oh, God, yeah, he's crazy. He's, he's He went back to crazy. Yeah. Time. But he wants some revenge, right? Uh, he needs, I guess, I mean, even though the zombies weren't the one that ones that got Carl, he just, he's like, I just need to go and I need to go and kill something because I need me some killing. Yeah. So after the commercial break, we see Rick, he's going outside, he starts hacking zombies, and he's taking them on all alone. And uh, get a bunch of fast cuts of him fighting them. But I thought it was pretty well done. Like, it was choreographed well, where he'd, like, he'd chop one and then push another away and do a fancy roll and then, you know, hold one off while he chops another one and then chops it. I thought they did a nice job of choreographing the fight here for Rick. Yeah, there was like uh, seven chops in a row that was uh, all a single shot. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, I'm sure they practiced it many, 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 many times so that, or know that and he was probably uh wielding a an imaginary hatchet so that he wouldn't be whacking people in the face by accident yep because that'd be bad that would be bad with a real hatchet for sure but andrew lincoln did a great job here and oh yeah fight choreography was really nice it was yeah single shot and back far enough that you could see what was going on so they did a really nice job there um inside the house michonne is you know helping with the treatment of carl but she really wants to get outside and help and then uh, Aaron and Heath agree they have to go out, so they run out together, and then Spencer follows. So now we've got everybody but Denise out there to help Rick uh, fight the zombies. 
Awesome. And this is the moment where, you know, the fight for Alexandria begins, really, right? This is, uh, this is them kind of making a stand against all these walking dead. The, um, and it's great. I thought everything about, you know, the beginning of this fight was great. It was really intense. It was frenetic. Um, and what was cool, I thought, is they, the group that we have so far, they fall into that back-to-back formation that we've seen them use before. Yep. You know, and kind of take out. So there's no, nobody's, there's no, uh, nobody can be snuck up on from behind, right? So it was really, really well done. Um, in another house, we see more Alexandrians who come out to help. And uh, Rick starts yelling, you know, we can beat them. We can do this, guys. We can beat them. So now there's a bigger group outside fighting the zombies even. And uh, it's starting to get really exciting. Uh, We cut into Father Gabriel in his church. And he sees them out there. And of all people, he decides that he has to go out and help too. (laughs) Yeah, here, take this baby. I need to go uh, slash some things. Yeah, I need to go and, you know, do my part. So he gives Judith to a lady who's in there. And there's Tobin. So now we know that Tobin is okay, too. He made it to the church. Good. And Tobin says, "Uh, what are you doing? And um, Gabe says, you know what? We've been praying to God that they'll save Alexandria. And he's answered our prayers because he's given us the courage to save the town ourselves. And that's what he's going to do, I guess. Yeah. So... um, we see, you know, everyone outside fighting the zombies. It looks pretty intense. Uh, Carol is over in her house, of course. She sees what's going on and tells the others that it's time they go out and help too. And uh, she also tells Tara that she saw Denise make it to the infirmary, which is good. So now Tara knows that Denise is okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she says, I'm going out, and everybody else comes along. And then we get another one of my favorite episode, favorite moments from this episode where Tara tells Eugene that, you know, you don't have to go, but he responds with, that is incorrect. <laughs> he's, yeah. He says, nobody gets to clock out today, and this is going to be a story that people tell. Right? And, awesome. and that's another thing. I just, I love the sort of the idea that, you know, even within the show or within the show, they think they're making history. Like Eugene's like, this is something people are going to talk about. This is the new history and I'm going to be a part of it. Awesome. It was really good. Um, so as they get outside, Morgan, of course, comes across the now zombie wolf. And this time he does not hesitate to kill him. He looks down and he bashes him with his stick after telling him, I'm sorry. (laughs) So that's, that's what Morgan had to do. I guess no one else could do that. Um, so the fight is going we see Glenn and Enid and they get to Maggie now Glenn starts distracting the zombies as the plan is and uh, Enid climbs up and for the first time in a while Maggie sees Glenn and starts screaming for him which you know is was both sort of like terrifying because I thought Glenn was in trouble and also a little bit heartwarming because she hasn't seen him in a long time yeah isn't that nice (laughs) my husband over there yeah, and he's about to about get to eaten get while, yeah. while, while I get saved. So um, Enid gets up, and she gets Maggie safely onto the top of the wall, I guess. And uh, Glenn is starting to get cornered against the wall and surrounded. And I swear, Jason, I thought they were going to kill Glenn off here. I thought we were, we were only going to have to wait, you know, one episode for Glenn to be, to be killed off. 
Not a chance. Oh. I knew for I knew that, that they would they wouldn't kill Glenn in this way. I knew that after uh, after his harrowing, uh, questionable, you know, dumpster dive under 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 the dumpster, that uh, they wouldn't kill him this way. He's uh, he's unkillable by zombies. See, man, I was not on that page at all. I've always I was thinking, you know what? We went through all that dumpster stuff, and Glenn survived, and all that was just so that they could surprise us and kill him off as soon as we got back, you know, in episode In the exact nine. same way that he survived the previous battle? I don't think so. Well, not really. What do you mean the exact same way? Like by he zombies? He was surrounded by zombies, yeah. and uh, there was no way for him to escape. Well, I don't know, man. I thought they were going to do it. I thought, you know, maybe, I don't know. I was worried. Maybe if it had happened, I wouldn't have liked it. I mean, I wouldn't have liked it because I don't want to see Glenn die, but... I thought they I thought they were going to do it. I was like there's no way he's getting out of this and uh that whole thing was just so they could turn around and surprise us here with with a with a big Glenn death. And on top of that, poor Maggie. I mean, it would have been even more intense because poor Maggie would have to be stuck up there and watch Glenn get, you know, get torn apart having not even been able to talk to him one last time after he returned. Yeah. No, his his death has got to be more glorious than uh, being surrounded by zombies and eventually bit. Do you think so he has to go out like in some massive heroic manner now? Well, I don't know about heroic, but more uh dramatic than this. Hmm. You know, this is dramatic and action-packed, but I don't I don't think his death not after uh surviving being surrounded by zombies and having to climb under a dumpster. Uh I don't think surviving that just to be killed in pretty much the same way uh, a couple episodes later is the way Glenn is going to die. If they've saved him for a glorious death, I knew that this was not going to be the the, the act. Okay. It wasn't going to happen. Well, see, I kind of agree with you now that you say it like that, but in the moment, I wasn't thinking that way. I was like, I can't believe it. This is it. This is it. Glenn is going down, and I'm going to be heartbroken because his wife is sitting there watching it happen, and there's nothing she can do about it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't happen. And what does happen is that suddenly a bunch of machine gu- machine gun fire takes out all the zombies around Glenn and he's saved. And of course it is Abe and Sasha up on the wall. They've arrived just in time to take out those zombies and he yells down, can you get the gate? Appreciate it, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> and then continues shooting with a big smile on his face. So... They got back just in time. Mm-hmm. We have a commercial break and we come back and we've got uh, Glenn in the front of the truck with Daryl and he says that they can lead them away, but Daryl's got a better plan because, you know, there's no leading them away at this point, I don't think. And so what Daryl does is backs the gas truck up to the water and opens the tank. So he starts emptying the gas into the Alexandria pond. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, everybody is still out there fighting the zombies and it kind of looks like there's still lots of them around and they're getting backed up against the wall a little bit. And Rick is kind of yelling, just keep fighting. We can do this. And then Daryl uses the rocket launcher again to light the lake on fire, to ignite the gas (laughs) and light the pond on fire. You know, I was trying to think of, uh, you know, (laughs) of an analogy that, Depicts just how ridiculous I think it is for uh, how they lit the uh, the pond on fire. 
But the only thing I could come up with was it's like lighting a fire with a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so overkill. Sure. Right? <laughs> but is your problem is your problem that lighting a fire with a rocket launcher uh is kind of dumb or or that you're like lighting a lake on fire? No, the lake I got no problem with because okay. gasoline floats, right? I got right. no problem with that. It's uh you know, you couldn't come up with a match, you couldn't come up with a lighter. You couldn't, uh, the, were there flares in the truck possibly that could do this for you? <laughs> Did you really have to use a rocket launcher to light a fire? Well, you know what, man? If if you really absolutely positively want to make sure that your lake lights on fire, you use a rocket launcher. Not necessarily. No? <laughs> no, because so. uh, the, the, the rounds, it depends on the kind of round that they're using. If it's high explosive, then yes. If it's... Uh, if it's just a concussive round, it doesn't really start a fire. Like you can't really start a fire with uh, uh, dynamite. True, right? Because it's not a flame; it's a concussive thing. They they use it to break up rocks. You can't start a fire. They use dynamite to put out fires. Oh, they don't. You can't start a fire with a stick of dynamite. So it depends on the round. If it was high explosive, then yes, because as soon as it impacted the, well, it would have to impact something hard for the. Uh, for the tip to uh, cause an explosion. And I'm not sure water's hard enough. I, I'm out of my league here, but it just, the fact that he lit the fire with a, with a rocket uh, seems completely ridiculous. But isn't the rocket, what's the, I mean, okay, the rocket is propelled out of the rocket launcher. It doesn't have its own, like, this is stupid. It doesn't have like flame coming out of the back, right? Like a, like well, a. Well, it's a rocket propelled grenade. It's sort of like firing a bullet, right? The propellant is all with the uh, the casing of the bullet uh-huh. inside the chamber of the gun. Okay. Right? So it's a slug thrower. Okay. Uh, like a, a bullet is, is just basically this chunk of metal and lead that's flying through the air. When it hits something, it doesn't start a fire. No, I get it. Uh, but the, but the, the rocket launcher, the rocket propelled grenade you know, could have, uh, probably does have an explosive tip because the idea is you shoot it at a tank or a vehicle, but, and when it hits the tank or the vehicle, it explodes. Right. And but they, it depends on the type of explosion. They established that at the beginning, though, because those the motorcycle gang clearly exploded in a giant ball of fire. Well, yes, that's true. So, okay, we'll go with high explosive. Yeah. Uh, because a grenade, if you throw a grenade, again, it's not necessarily flames. It's concussion that blows the uh, the outer casing apart and creates uh, shrapnel. Mm-hmm. But the shrapnel is pretty damn hot mm-hmm. because there's an explosion. So it might start a fire. So, okay, I'll concede that shooting a rocket at the lake would start a fire. Especially a gas-filled lake. Right, a gas-filled lake. I mean, it has to but, be. You're not going to light water on fire. But my problem is that you don't use a rocket launcher to start a friggin' fire. Like, throw a match, for crying out loud. Unless you're Daryl freaking Dixon. He uses a rocket he's, launcher Darryl to start Dixon a fire. Daryl Dixon, would have, he's going to have a Zippo. Like, what are the chances that Daryl Dixon does not have a Zippo in his pocket? Yeah, he probably does. Throw the Zippo. <laughs> it's funny. Like the Zippo, throw it. You know what, that's man? How, that's how John McClane would do it. Yeah, well, Daryl Dixon's not John McClane. Daryl Dixon's more of a rocket launcher kind of guy. I guess so. And yeah, okay, maybe it was kind of ridiculous, but I also thought it was kind of amazing. It's like uh, you know trying to flot a swat a fly and uh, collapsing the house on top of it just to make sure you get the damn thing. <laughs> overkill, Daryl. Overkill. It's overkill. Dixon. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, well, it looked cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, the lake is now on fire. Yay! And uh, that's what they were going for. So what happens is the zombies are distracted, and they start moving toward the lake. And like zombies do, they just start walking into the burning lake of fire. And uh, that's great, which because enough of the zombies are distracted so that the rest of the group who's fighting can continue fighting and not get overwhelmed. And in my third or fourth favorite scene from this episode, we get what I think was just masterfully done in editing a series of faster and faster shots of everybody fighting the zombies. And it culminates in fast cuts of every, I think, every one of our living characters we have basically slicing at the camera. And you no longer even see the zombies anymore. You see them, you just see the living people hacking away. With a black background. With a black background, that's right. No, nothing behind them. It's just boiled down to, you know, their intensity and their rage taking on these zombies and it's just about what they're doing and i thought it was really really cool what do you think of that scene i don't know if i agree with you oh you're crazy i thought i didn't like this when i first saw it i'm like oh that's just uh, and i can't i can't for the life of me and i've been thinking about it for about 24 hours now i can't for the life of me pinpoint why i don't like it well, maybe you don't like it for the reason I do like it. And because, like I, like I just said, it sort of, it takes out the fact that they're, they're fighting zombies and it boils it down to human living people reacting and doing what they have to do to survive, right? Which is sort of what this show comes back to all the time. And I thought that was really, really interesting because it focused on the survivors, not the threat. Which, which is something that the show kind of does and kind of doesn't do sometimes, right? And I thought it looked really cool, and especially the way it ended on Rick, of course, because he's our main protagonist. And then he just sort of fades into the blackness of night before we cut to the morning shot. Right. I think I know why I don't like it. Okay. I think I, uh, what? Uh, and I'm going to tr- struggle here. You're going to have to help me with the uh, the name of this movie. Uh, it had Batman in it. Uh, Christian Bale, uh, and it was something to do with a gun kata. What was the name of that? Well, Batman movie? Begins, The Dark no, Knight, or The no, Dark No, it was Knight. not a Batman movie. It was Christian Bale in a movie called uh, something where there was a gun kata. Oh. Where... <sighs> yeah, I know the one you mean. Equilibrium? Maybe Equilibrium, yeah. Okay, so Equilibrium where, you know, you go into a... The, the theory was in this movie equilibrium that you go into a room and you use this algorithm to shoot the most likely places that people will be and the idea was that or the the visual was just a black room with gunshots going off where it was just random shots uh, like the muzzle flashes from the gun Mm -hmm. and uh, it was just kind of like a strobe effect where he was you know pointing in different directions and i thought that was i really hated equilibrium and i thought it was uh, was a dumb movie, and I really hated that scene specifically. And this reminded me of that. So I'm not, I'm no longer sure that I didn't like this. I'm just, I think that equilibrium ruined me because it made me not like this. Weird. That is weird. I don't remember equilibrium very well, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Uh, I think you liked it. I think we had this discussion a long time ago that do you think I'm crazy for not liking that movie? Uh, possibly. So you, <laughs> you, gotta, you have to go watch that movie again and tell me if I'm crazy. All right. Well, I mean, that's more of the sort of the look 
of the way this was done. I think thematically it was really cool. I happen to like how it looked too, but um, thematically, you know, separating the the characters from the setting that they're in and just showing them doing what they're doing, I thought worked really well and looked cool. Um, so, and, and it was kind of like, like a really fast hero montage, right? These are all of our heroes that we love and we don't want to see anything bad happen to. And, uh, it focused in on them, right? And it, it didn't focus on the zombies. Anyways, very cool. Um, after Rick fades into the blackness of, of night there, we cut to the morning and the camera pans along the street and there's nothing but zombie bodies all over the streets. Uh, but it is quiet now, so they're done. And everyone has sort of gathered outside one of the houses. I think it was the infirmary house, uh, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but it's kind of a cool scene, I thought, just everybody there quiet, kind of taking it all in and looking at what they've done. And uh, it really was everybody. I think every character that we know of was standing outside that house, which is which is a really cool, like, full cast shot, I thought. Um, yeah. Inside, though, people are still being treated. You know, Daryl's getting his back treated. Uh, Michonne is holding Judith. And Rick is sitting by Carl's bedside, and he's talking to him. Carl seems to be stabilized at this point, and he's got his head wrapped up in bandages and his one eye, of course. And Carl is talking to him, saying that he was wrong about these people. He says, today, I saw what we could do if we work together. You know, these people aren't sort of soft from living inside Alexandria. They they were able to learn things and they were able to fight. And Rick says, we'll rebuild the walls and there's got to be more to, to this. And he's basically sort of seeing, you know, what's possible with Alexandria and all the people here now, I think. Right. And he continues to talk to, to Carl and he says that when it was all over, he said he had this, and the place was safe again, he had this feeling that he hadn't had since before he woke up in the hospital. And he says he wants to make this place safe again, and he wants to make a new world for Carl. He wants to do everything for Carl. I mean, Judith, whatever. <laughs> I'm doing, yeah, whatever. doing this for you, buddy. This, this is all for you. <laughs> um, and I got Well, the, he's the firstborn son, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's very important. And, you know, I just, I thought he was literally going to say, like, you know, I haven't, I haven't had this feeling of hope since I, you know, before I woke up in the hospital. He didn't actually come out and say that, but sort of that's, I feel like, what he was getting at. And then, you know, the camera pans down after he says, I want to do this for you, Carl. And it pans down Carl's arm to his hand. And then Carl's fingers slowly curl around his father's hand. And we see a shot of Rick's face looking at his son before the episode ends. Right. So super emotional ending. And I thought the the pause or the hesitation of before Carl's hand grips his father's was perfect. It wasn't too long, but it wasn't too short either. And But I, I, I did kind of expect them to cut to black before his fingers moved or maybe just you get the hint that they move and we cut to black. I don't know, but I'm right. sort of glad they didn't do that too. Yeah. So Carl, not dead. No, Carl is not dead. He is somehow going to survive that shot to the face. Now I did watch a little bit of AMC's talking dead show after, and Greg Nicotero was on and he explained that what they were going for is that the bullet hit not directly in Carl's eye. It hit Carl's, um, is it an orbital orbital bone, like eye socket yep. bone? 
So it hit the outside of his his uh, orbital and ricocheted away, but shattered the bone into his eye. So his eye is definitely destroyed, but there's no bullet lodged in his head. Right. And yeah, I figured it would have to be a through and through because if it went right into his brain, he'd be totally toast. Right. Because you know we really kind of need our brains in order to to function. Most of us, anyway. Uh, but so if I figured if the bullet was like an angular one where it went through his eye, but then out the top of his ear kind of thing that, uh, you know, people have survived worse brain injuries than that. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, in this kind of environment, it's difficult, I'd say to survive even this kind of shot. But, uh, if there's no bullet and if there's no brain damage, if there's no bullet lodged in his head, then it's, it's much more likely. And that's what Nicotero was saying. It's like, you know, sure. It, it, broke his it shattered his eye socket destroyed his eye but the bullet ricocheted away and so you know if he doesn't die from the injury then he could survive this with one eye so uh that seems to be what's about to happen here and uh just having his having him grip his father's hand i thought was pretty pretty good pretty emotional and even especially with since uh since he's a kid right, uh, right. kids can survive uh traumatic brain injuries more than adults can uh, you know, a child, they have, there's, there's documented cases of uh, children with severe brain issues having, uh, you know, an entire lobe uh, surgically removed, like half your brain Jesus. surgically removed. And the other half of your brain uh, will swell uh, to take up a lot of the space that was left over. And then the other, what's left over fills up with uh, some kind of brain fluid. Yeah, and uh, in most cases, those kids uh, will grow up normally. Damn, like, man, they'll they'll just be normal. Their brains at, at that point, since they're so young, that they're still, you know, their brains are still trying to figure out exactly how to be, uh, you know, conscious, living human, sentient beings. That it just figures it out. It just goes, yeah, okay. So I don't have the processing power that I had before. I didn't need that shit anyway. <laughs> and you go on with your life. Jeez. But adults, everything's already hard. You know, at that point, you're pretty much, all your logic pathways are pretty much hardwired at that point. You lose half your brain. It's like, yeah, I was using that part for, uh, mostly for memory and a little bit for visuals. So uh, I'm not going to have any more uh, long-term memory. It's all going to be, you know, short-term. Five minutes. That's it. The human brain is an amazing thing. It actually. is. The, the, yeah, it, the way it can adapt to something like that. That's incredible. Yeah. So I, I'll have no problem with uh, Carl's full recovery. And and at the rate that people recover on this show, it should be an episode or two from now, you'd think. Yeah, I'd be surprised, actually, if his eye didn't grow back. <laughs> It'd be weird. It grew back a different color. No one can explain it. <laughs> and people's heads are so soft, I'm surprised the bullet didn't just bounce off. Boing, right off. Exactly. All right, so here we are, the end of the mid-season premiere. And I thought this episode was fan-freaking-tastic. It was really good. There was a lot of packed, uh, packed shit in here. We had some good deaths. We had some, a lot of good zombie uh, kills. We had uh, rocket launcher. We had two. We had Chekhov's rocket launcher uh, fired twice. Yeah. Uh, once to great effect to a group of idiots that didn't spread out, and another <laughs> one to start a fire. <laughs> so questionable both times, I'd say. But well, no, you know. the first one, the rocket would uh, was a perfect, uh, a perfect. You, tool to use in that case because well, you have all these morons sitting on their motorbike <laughs> motorbikes all bunched up this is like well this is perfect <laughs> but to start a fire that's probably not the right tool to use oh man you know? what zippo a... zippo zippo quieter too actually 
Yeah. You know what? If it was an explosive round, that's going to that's gonna light that gas up pretty fast. Maybe a Zippo wouldn't quite do it as quickly, and they needed speed. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I love... Gas lights on fire pretty quickly. That's true. Well, gas fumes do. Anyways. Well, that's the whole point of gas, really. <laughs> Lighting on fire, right. Yeah. Um, I love this episode. I thought it was amazing. Just amazing. And I know I was sort of down a little bit on on some of the episodes in the first half of season six, even though the first couple I thought were really good, at least the first two. Um, this episode has totally reinvigorated my, my love for this show because it's it was so strong. I don't know, Jason. This might be my favorite episode of the six seasons. Like, it's it's up there, man. Like, I've always held on to the fact that the pilot episode was fantastic, and I know I, I don't have the benefit of, like hindsight or too much perspective on this one yet but just coming out of it i was blown away by this one you liked it eh? i (laughs) really liked it too yeah (laughs) i I really i really did like this episode uh like i say the uh the the only issues i had with it are my issues and not necessarily issues with the show except for lighting a fire with a rocket launcher right but that's a choice that's a character choice daryl chose to light that fire with the rocket launcher i conceded that it would work so i don't have any real problems with it other than it's a little bit excessive for daryl sure uh i thought the acting all around in this show was amazing and and i mean the show usually does have very good acting i i it's rare that i could complain about an actor on this show but what stood out for me here is that all of the secondary characters were really really good and maybe it's just that we don't get to see as much of them or something, but I thought Caitlin Nason as Enid was especially good in this episode yeah. uh, when her and uh, Glenn were in that church. And um, the guy that plays the wolf and Denise, Denise were both fantastic. I, I thought they did a great job sort of uh, when they were hiding down behind that wall and then the little bits we saw of them as they were in panic mode running through the zombies. I think they were both amazing. So, like, all these characters that are are secondary. I mean, everyone knows that Rick is all... Andrew, Andrew Lincoln is really good as Rick, and, um, and and Carol's generally, you know, really good, and everybody's really good, but it's the, the secondary ones that did a great job in this episode. And then I also thought that um, there was some amazing baby acting from one of the kids that plays <laughs> Judith, because did you notice when Gabe was taking her and putting him under putting her under his poncho, that baby looked genuinely scared shitless. <laughs> my, my wife hates that. She hates it when they make babies cry. She wasn't crying. She just looked no, but afraid. Being scared, obviously, it's not an acting choice that the baby made, right? I don't know. It's baby acting. You think it's like, pretend you're scared, sweetheart, and the baby did that? There's a whole bunch of monsters, like, hanging around, and you're getting put under a under a poncho that has all this gooey stuff all over it, that might be enough to scare a baby. <laughs> I don't know. You see, the thing is, babies are not good actors. In my opinion, they're not they're not acting, and this is what my wife hates, is that right. when a baby's crying, they made that baby cry. If the baby is afraid, they made that baby afraid. Maybe the baby... She ba- hates that. Maybe, I mean, they don't make the baby cry. Maybe they just, you know, choose they their... babies. They choose their moment to turn the cameras on when the baby's crying because it happens eventually. They pinch babies. I swear to God, they pinch babies to make them cry. Really? Yep. Yeah, okay. I don't like the sound of that either. But regardless, the, this kid playing Judith did a great job. 
Yeah, they scared the shit out of her in order to get that great reaction <laughs> being scared. I guess so. I, I kind of side with my wife on this. I don't like it when they make babies do stuff. I kind of I kind of agree with you. I, I, I agree with you. But but then again, when you when a baby's all happy and giggly, they made that baby happy and giggly. giggly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of another. It's just, uh, yeah, Jenny really hates it when they make babies cry. <laughs> well, I can see that. I can agree with you there. Uh, anyways, secondary character acting was really good. Um, and just one more thing I, I want to say is that, you know, we did our sort of uh, speculation episode back after episode eight. Um, and, you know, one of the things we talked about is how you could kind of see this whole scene where Jesse is killed coming because it is right out of the comic. And, you know, I think you said, you know, regarding chopping her hand off, I mean, that's coming for sure. And sure enough, it did. And basically the way that played out was very similar to the comic book. But what amazed me and impressed me the most about it is, even though I knew it was coming, and I could almost visualize it in my head, it still managed to look incredible on screen and to have as much of an impact on me, I thought, um, as if as if I was totally surprised and I had no idea what to expect from this episode. Right. So it just goes to show that they can still follow the comic pretty close or include scenes from the comic, but still make it compelling for TV and make it just amazing. And that really, really makes me happy because sometimes I worry that knowing too much about the comic has been affecting my enjoyment of the show a little bit. But this proves that that's not the case, or not always the case at least. And I think uh, that makes me happy. Good. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one before we move on? Uh, I agree with you that it was a really good episode. And uh, I'm not sure it's the uh, the best episode of all the seasons, like, so, but uh, I, it definitely was a good, strong, solid uh, mid-season premiere. Yeah, and and you know, to be clear, I'm not entirely convinced of that either. That it's the best one of all the seasons. But you know, ask me again in a year, and we will see. Because I don't know. Right now, it feels like it's really strong, like at least top three or top five, and uh, maybe it would rise to the top given a little bit of time to digest it all some more. So I don't know. Right. All right. Um, Normally at this point in the show, we do a quick break to thank a sponsor. But since we did so much of that up front, let's just skip that this week, shall we, Jason? Um, Sure. Skipping away. I'll just remind everyone, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead to check out our new page with new levels uh, of rewards and stuff like that. And we will move straight into. Holy crap. Did you see that? Uh, okay, so if there's any new listeners out there, this is the portion of the show where we uh, we sort of read your holy crap, did you see that moments? And it could be anything from a big moment to a little moment, just something that, you know, made you think to yourself, holy crap, did you see that? Or maybe jump up off your couch and yell it out at your TV, you know, maybe. And uh, we love to get those sent in to us. So uh, thanks to everyone who sent them in and keep them coming for future episodes. Um. There's also, I just want to say, too, we got a bunch of voicemails this week, but since I am recording in the remote studio, uh, I'm unable to play them 
right now so Jason can hear them. So it doesn't make sense if I play calls now and, uh, you know, he can't hear them because then he can't comment on them. <laughs> right. So, so I don't have to do things like, thanks for your call, Steve. That's a really great point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> what we'll do is we'll I'll, I'll run through all those. And if there's any in there that are really great, uh, we'll get them up on a feedback show later in the week. So we'll do that. So for now, we just have emails from people. And uh, here we go. The first one comes from Miles in San Francisco. Miles says, holy fucking crap. Daryl blowing up those motorcycle jerks made my day. It made my week. <laughs> awesome cold open. Yeah. <laughs> that was, as you said, an appropriate use of a rocket launcher. Yes. All right. Uh, Travis in Ozark, Missouri. Holy crap, did you see how Daryl lit a pit uh, on fire to attract and kill all the walkers? What a brilliant strategy. It would have been even more brilliant eight episodes ago. <laughs> uh, right, but I, to be fair... Um, they didn't have the truck full of fuel. That's right. They didn't have the gas truck or the rocket launcher. Right, but they could have lit the fire without a rocket launcher, but we've covered that. We've covered that, but I think what Travis is saying is why not just somehow light the quarry on fire and let them all burn up in a quarry where they're relatively contained anyways. Well, if they had a fuel truck, that might have been, uh, you know, a valid strategy. Something they could have done, yeah. Maybe if they had, uh, if they could, uh, they're in, in Washington, D.C., or near, nearabouts there, right? That's right. If they could go find themselves a thermonuclear device, they could have blown up that quarry uh, right good. I'm, I don't know if the thermonuclear devices are kept in Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, they're, they're all over the place. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're not, you know, so far away from someplace. Like, there's got to be missile silos all over the freaking place down there. You think sure so? they can find one. Yeah, dig up a, you know, go to, into a missile silo. I'm sure that they're they're locked down pretty good. But uh, Daryl's Daryl, he's got a rocket launcher now. He can open those things up. Pretty sure they dig missile silos into like the remote desert, not the densely populated areas. But hey, ah, they're all over the place. Come on, man. What do I know? TV and movies <laughs> have shown me where they are, and they're probably all over. There's probably one underneath Alexandria. Jeez, hope not. <laughs> um. Uh, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, did you see that? Chekhov's RPG, love that. Abe's nibble on that line was badass too. Loved the whole episode, but damn, what a great way to open it up. Yeah. So the nibble on that line is a reference to after those guys getting blown up. He says nibble on that because the head of the motorcycle gang earlier had told him how to eat shit. And you don't just nibble. You chew, swallow, and repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, fuckface. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Sally on the internet writes, Holy crap, did I miss something? Didn't the last show end with the little punk-ass kid saying, Mom, Mom? Granted, the little shit followed through with his dumbass chatter. Is this the first time they've done something so inconsistent from one cliffhanger to the premiere? Probably not. No, probably not. But, and but I maybe. think... I think the idea is just that the mom-mom thing was a bit of a tease for the audience, and then somebody told him to shut up, or he just decided that he needs to stop talking, and then they, they kept going. But I, I agree with Sally. It was it did feel like it was missing. You know what I mean? Well, that was the threat at the end of uh, the first part of the season, right? Yeah. Was that, holy crap, he's saying, mom, 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 he's going to get them all killed. And then when they start the, uh, the, the mid-season premiere, it's totally a non-issue. Right, and that kind of thing happens all the time, right? Where you think yeah. something is one way, and then they turn it around a little bit on you. Um, but but I noticed it too. It did feel weird that that's what they ended on, and then it just wasn't in this this premiere. But 
I can I can fill it in with my you know my own imagination I think where someone said Sam shut up and then they kept walking and then he had his freak out a little bit later right right uh, Noop J in Dallas writes my holy crap moment was Carl losing an eye straight out of the comics not how I pictured it but very well done and sick as fuck nice job Walking Dead to date Carl has taken exactly two more bullets than I ever have. <laughs> <laughs> that boy has some great recovery time too. I was expecting at least two episodes for him to convalesce. Right. Con- convalesce. Convalesce. Yeah, sorry. Convalesce. Oh, he'll be up and walking around next episode. I'm sure of it. I don't know, man. They got to keep him in bed at least for another episode and then maybe have like a couple of weeks go by or something and then he's up. up and ah, about. bullet to the face. Walk it off. Yeah, walk it off. It's not like the bullet's in there anywhere. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Another eye. Come on. <laughs> you have two. What are you, some kind of pansy? <laughs> yeah. uh, Sharnisha on the internet writes, So my holy crap moment uh, literally was about crap, or shit, or rather eating shit, and how best to do so. <laughs> Going forward, I will know exactly how to eat shit. If only Negan's guy realized eating that much shit causes some explosive gas. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Good one. Uh, Rena on the internet, holy crap, did you see the wolf tartar? So glad that douche nozzle is out of the picture. Also, uh, an interesting turnaround for Morgan too. I'm sort of glad he got to be the one who killed the wolf walker, but is it just me or did his character serve little to no purpose? Uh, um, the wolf, I mean, he was, he was there to kind of inform Denise's character a little bit, right? When they were talking about um, change and what you know, what you become, sort of in in times like these, and then his redemption, I thought was not really important for anyone but himself. But I don't know; it kind of felt good. It was a feel good moment, a little bit for me. Yeah, if I want to look at it completely metaphysically, it's like, what is the point of any character? Yeah, it's to entertain us, and I, I was so. entertained. Yeah, that's true. I was entertained by him. Um, but, uh, you know, as for Morgan killing him, it's like, who else could it be? It had to be Morgan. Morgan's the one who who let that guy live and, you know, caused some problems and caused, and that's what caused the tension between him and Carol, which may not be over yet. I mean, we may have to deal with that going forward. I don't know. Wait, did so, Morgan kill him as a zombie or as a human? As a zombie. As a zombie, right. So he didn't yes. kill him. He dispatched the dead, undead him. It's true. He still apologized, though. He said, I'm sorry. Now, he's probably not saying, I'm sorry for killing you. He's probably more going with one of the, I'm sorry this happened to you kind of things. Right. I'm I'm sorry that this uh, thing is, you know, this uh, this club I have is uh, whacking you in the head in order to dispatch you because you've become a zombie, and that's terribly unfortunate. Terribly unfortunate. Or, you know, he could be saying, I'm sorry I didn't kill you earlier to spare you from this torture kind of thing, right? So, I don't know. I mean... It, it had to be Morgan, but, you know, I think we can we can move on from it. Right. Um, who is next? Sean on the internet. So, no surprises. We pretty much know everything about to happen in the next few series if we just read the comics. Sigh. I was hoping that Gimp would surprise us and maybe put a few twists in the story. I guess we now can call Carl Old One-Eye when he's acting like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this comes back to my point earlier, though, that even though I I really feel this way, even though, yes, you kind of know what's happening, the show can still do it in an amazing and compelling way because that's how I felt in this episode. 
So that's true. Yep. Don't worry, Sean. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll still be surprised by this show a little bit. Steve on the internet. Holy crap! Did you see the mostly bloodless death of Jesse the wolf uh, and Ron and I, sort of Sam? We just see a pig pile and then they're gone. <laughs> I wonder if, given the fact that the rest of the episode was a mostly human on Walker bloodbath, they felt the subtraction of a few characters should be more subtle. I don't know. It is interesting that I mean, when Sam got bit, we saw some blood, but Jesse yep. and Ron. And the wolf pretty much went down, you know, almost off camera in some ways. Well, I guess it depends on, uh, you know, maybe that was a ratings thing or not a ratings thing, but a, uh, um, what do you call it? Where the, the, they say that's too much blood well, for uh, one episode. Yeah. Maybe like they hit their blood quota. Content rating. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think they have that kind of quota on this show. I don't Well, think. maybe, maybe it's not a regulatory thing, but a... Uh, you know, a style choice. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the producers come in and maybe we should blame Gail Ann Hurt. She came in and said, yeah, it's too much blood. Can we make that one bloodless and that one bloodless just to tone things down just slightly? Yeah. And then Greg went, uh, you know what, Gail? You're right on the money there. I think that's a genius idea. I'm going to go back and re-edit to, uh, to make sure that that happens. And if I have to go back and reshoot, I'm happy to do that. Thank you very much for your, for your input, Gail. <laughs> he doesn't want to get fired. <laughs> Right. I I think they just I think sometimes they tone down and this is not a blanket statement by any means because I can come up with examples of the opposite but I think sometimes they tone down a a death of a character in terms of shocking gore because they want us to focus on other things. When Jesse is getting eaten, it's about Rick and him seeing that and and reacting to what's happening. And that part of that scene, I thought, was really, really well executed, as I said, and super, super well done and emotional. Um, if we had been distracted by, you know, Jessie's, like, blood spilling everywhere and her body getting torn apart and stuff like that, it might have taken away from, from what we were trying to feel with Rick, maybe. Right. I don't know. But then on the other hand, when Noah got eaten in the revolving door, I mean... That scene was really about Glenn wit- witnessing it happen, but they didn't shy away from the gore and the blood and guts with Noah. So, you know, like I said, goes both ways. Yeah, I would. Uh, I chalk it up to uh, uh, Gail Ann Hurd's random decision. <laughs> Blame why Gail? Why? What do you have against her? Nothing. I got nothing against her. Okay. I thought she did a bang up job on aliens. <laughs> oh, great! All right, good for her. Yeah. Um. The Israeli Carol, one of our Patreon subscribers from the beginning, said, my small, my small holy crap moment, that wolf's black mouth and teeth after reanimating looked better than his yellow ones when he was still alive. <laughs> Not all is bad in becoming a zombie. Hey, you never really, we've never really considered the, uh, the aesthetic dental implications of becoming undead. Apparently, you know, if you really don't take care of your teeth when you're alive, you get a dental benefit when you die. See, the death death <laughs> is the great equalizer. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Everyone's teeth ends up the same. Exactly. Uh, thank you. Mary, from the state directly south of Alberta, says, Holy crap, did you see that there were absolutely no consequences directly after the midseason finale? It took almost the whole show for Sam to finally become a liability. Yeah, and we talked about that. There, we didn't get that mom-mom scene. It was later on. 
Uh, Julian from BC, where I am right now, says, Oh my God, did you see Eugene and Gabriel joining in that amazing last stand fight at the end? Crazy how Eugene started off that day scared stiff, calling for Daryl's help uh, to joining in the big battle at the end of the night. And Julian's got a good point here. This all happened in one day. Yeah. So it feels like it happened over a long period of time because of the way episodes get released on TV. But it was just that morning where Eugene was like scared stiff and calling for help. And now he's like stepping up and hacking some zombie heads. All right, Eugene. That's right. Go, Eugene. Um, thank you, Julian, too. Michael in London writes, My holy crap moment was, holy crap, there needs to be a warning that if you're a parent, do not watch this. <laughs> the death scenes and Carl being shot in the face was absolutely brutal. I've not felt this uncomfortable since the scene where Lori gave birth and then Carl had to shoot her. I really try my hardest not to swear. And apologies in advance, but F star 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 ING hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, Yes, a lot of bad stuff happens to kids on this show, and uh, if you're especially sensitive to that, it's probably not the show for you. Yeah. Uh, A few more here. Danielle in Buckinghamshire, UK. Holy crap, did you see Jesse's entire family obliterated in approximately two seconds? Not only did Sam get eaten alive, just like Carol told him, but Jesse followed quickly with an axe through the arm, and Ron suffered Michonne's katana through the chest. Let's just say I'm glad I'm not part of that family tree. Also, Carl is soon to be a copycat governor with his inevitable eye patch. Ooh, that's true. Yeah, maybe Carl becomes the next governor-level villain. I never thought of that. Yeah. I think maybe it's Carol becomes the next governor-level villain, but Carl does have that, uh, does need an eye patch now. Yep. So that's going to be a toss-up. (laughs) <laughs> who's the worst villain <laughs> uh jack in rainy england holy my holy crap did you see that is the walking dead killing off another character just as i began to like them the alpha wolf i love a good villain as this one shows a glimmer of humanity he gets killed take note negan <laughs> i don't know what that means because i don't know uh, what that means neither who knows but just don't um i mean just don't show any uh, redemption because that's it for you if you're a villain. Right. Um, yeah. It, and it is weird how they were able to make that wolf guy slightly likable at the end after him being such a dick the whole time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but they do that, right? You know, you, you redeem somebody just before you, you kill them off. Yeah. No, that's it's it's typical for this show, but, I mean, I don't know. It's... Or they give them a hero episode before they kill them off, right? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know about this wolf. Like, he was so unlikable until this very last bit. And then look at this. They managed to have a little bit of sympathy for him. Yeah. So, very well done. Um, Gemma in South Wales, UK, about three hours away from London, she says, My holy crap uh, came at the beginning. I really thought Sasha or Abraham were Abraham were going to get shot. And then, boom, Negan's gang are no more. I screamed. Daryl Dixon is back in the house. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he is. And that's another funny thing. Daryl Dixon. I was all sort of bored with Daryl, and his episode wasn't very good in the first half of this season. And then in one scene, he is like a massive badass. He is a massive badass because he has a BFG now. He does. But he doesn't have his crossbow anymore, so he feels a little empty without that. 
Maybe that's why he's using this thing for uh, for every like it's it's he's only got one tool in his toolbox now and and it's a hammer. So, <laughs> yes. good thing everything requires a hammer to be fixed. <laughs> it sure does, at least the way he sees it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, same James in Ireland writes, "My hey guys, my holy crap this week was when that walker came from behind Sam and took a large bite out of his head." It reminded me of how my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Zoe, would sneak over and take a large bite out of an apple I would be eating. Crunch, <laughs> crunch and all. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad his daughter doesn't take a bite out of his head. Yeah. That would be worse. Well, I mean, you, you, I was just thinking that why would somebody bite somebody's head like that? Like, go for the neck. Well, I don't think zombies really think through these things. Yeah, but they have this desire, some kind of... Uh, unnatural desire to feed, right? It's not like they're starving or anything. They're dead. So yeah. uh, if they have that un- that uh, that need to feed, then uh, it comes from a human uh, nature kind of thing where we need to, mm-hmm. to eat. And it just it seems so weird to bite something on the head. <laughs> it is. That's like the hardest part it's of your like, skull. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's it's <laughs> crunchy on the outside and soft in the middle, but cook it for a little bit first so you can get through it because you're not going to chew through somebody's skull. I don't care who you are. So yeah. you go for the neck, you go for the shoulder, you go for the meaty bits, right? Or you uh, or you go for the bits like uh, you go for the jugular where it'll bleed out and then you can take your time and eat whatever part you want. But uh, going for the head, it's just such a weird thing to do. Well, I don't know. You know, I, it is kind of weird, but... Uh... Maybe that zombie's like, I'm going to try something new this time. I'm going to go for the head. Yeah. See what happens. I mean, zombies are undead people, and people uh-huh. have some weird fetishes. So uh, <laughs> who knows what this guy <laughs> was like in real life. He was a head guy, obviously. He was just, yeah, I just, I, you know, you're so cute. I just want to, you know, eat you right up, just gnaw on your head. And maybe <laughs> that just turned into a literal thing once he uh-huh. became a zombie. He's really, really into heads. <laughs> so I don't know. All right. Well, thank you so much for everyone for writing in um, and uh, keep them coming. Uh, We will be recording our feedback show later this week, probably on Thursday night. We're just one day behind this week, uh, as I said. So we will get to that and uh, send in your feedback. That would be great. Um, But man, oh, man. Such a such a great episode to come back to for the second half of this season. I hope they can keep it up. I don't expect every episode to be as as good as this one, but imagine if they were, that would be amazing. Would be. Um, uh, so, you know, we've got seven more before, uh, before season six wraps up. Uh, and then we're straight into fear the walking dead, but that's down the road a bit. We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, like I said, in the meantime, we'll be back, uh, later this week with our feedback show. And hopefully from here on in, we can stay on the regular schedule of putting an episode out Monday night. Uh, I do have some more work travel coming up, but we'll try not to let it screw screw with the schedule here because what's more important than the podcast, Jason? Absolutely nothing. Nothing, exactly. Uh, all right, so if you want to get in touch in the meantime, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Send Voicemail. And remember, you can search by season and episode number now to find our podcasts for past, uh, past uh, episodes of the show on the website. Um, if you want to visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the talking dead. And remember, that's where you can uh, find out how to enter our little walking dead hoodie giveaway in conjunction with gold label. 
Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead on Twitter or send us email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of days. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.